Welcome to the Exoteric Cleric. I'm your host, Pastor Jason Salyers, and the purpose of this podcast is to read some stories of hope and encouragement for my little friends at Hinsdale Adventist Academy. I began earlier this school year, in the 2019-2020 school year, by reading to Miss Jenkins' third and fourth grade class. I was reading the book Swift Arrow by Josephine Cumming. Cunningham Edwards, but due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we had to suspend the reading of our book. Well, since everyone is probably at home doing various things, I wanted them to be able to hear the remainder of the story, but in the event that other people wanted to listen in, such as people from different schools, people from different classrooms, people from different states... I thought I would begin the book at the very beginning. So here we have Swift Arrow by Josephine Cunningham Edwards, Chapter 1, Adventure in Their Blood. George Boylan looked up from the spelling word he had copied on his slate and listened to the two voices coming from the parlor. Pa and Grandpa Boylan must be at it again, he thought. His eyes grew serious as their voices became louder and louder. Every once in a while, Pa's voice rose even louder and more excited than Grandpa's. And he could guess what they were arguing about. The same thing that Pa had been speaking of all winter long. Well, so long as they're arguing, I hope Pa wins, he thought. And with that, he grinned, pushed his chair back away from the table, and crept down the hall as close to the parlor doorway as he dared go without being seen. Marcus, I just don't understand, Grandpa was saying. You have your wife, your family, a big sturdy house, and a fine piece of land here. We're never troubled with Indians. We have a smithy to shoe our horses, a sawmill to cut timber, and a gristmill to grind our flour. Why, we've even got a doctor now. Why do you want to leave all this for a place where you'll find nothing but trees, wild animals, and Indians? Father, you've just answered your own question. It's so, so tame here. No adventure. We've got everything we need except adventure. You, of all people, should understand. First, you moved from the Palatinate in the Old World to Massachusetts. Then you took mother and us children from there to New York. Finally, you moved here to Pennsylvania. Well, I want to strike out for myself now. And so do a lot of other fellows. It's in our blood. We've got to go. Grandpa considered a few seconds before answering, Well, son, if you don't think of yourself, then think of your family. You have to yank George out of school and make the children live rough lives, always in fear of a raid from those savages out there. Now, George is no problem, Pa said. He's seven years old and so big and strong you could take him for a couple years older. Already he can do a lot of man's work. And if Zella and the baby grow up like him, there'll be no problem either. Hearing this made George's chest swell big. I'd best remember to mend that harness tomorrow like Pa asked me to do, he thought or else Pa might change his mind about me being able to do a man's work. But what about the children's schooling, Marcus? Ma's soft, gentle voice asked. George hadn't realized that she was in there. Why, you can teach them prudence. You can read and write and do sums just as good as a man. What other schooling do they need? And some hard work will be good for those young'uns, too. I helped Father chop the trees that made his cabin. Now George will help me with the trees from my cabin. Since nobody said anything else, Pa continued, No, my mind's made up. 
We're leaving as soon as the thaw is through and the ground hardens up. There's just too much good, rich land going to waste in them forests. I aim to claim some of it for my own. When Pa talked like that, George knew he meant business. He felt so excited he couldn't hold it in any longer. Whoopee! He yelled as he ran laughing into the front room. I can't wait, Pa. I can't wait to start chopping them trees. Pa looked surprised. George Boylan, were you sneaking around that corner listening to us? Pa said it quietly, but his hard, steady eyes seemed to bore holes through George. Now George felt ashamed for listening. Get up to bed before I give you a good licking, Pa said. I don't want my children sneaking around where they have no business being. George's head dropped, but he obeyed Pa and without another word, climbed upstairs to bed. He felt bad he had caused Pa to scold him. His curiosity had just gotten the best of him. But he couldn't feel bad for long. He was too happy about the move his family would soon make. West into the forests. George could hardly sleep that night for excitement. The next morning, when George came downstairs for breakfast, it seemed that Pa had forgotten about last night's scolding. Pa sat at the table waiting for breakfast. Prudence, you're going to be surprised at the beauty of the land back there. I hear tell of the forests in the valley stretch as far as you can see. High mountains rise against the skyline, and streams rush down from them mountains to water the land. Your father and his friends were just as excited about this country when they came here, Ma reminded him, setting steaming hot cornbread on the table. You're right, Pa answered, and this land was just fine for them when they came here. The land was rich, and they enjoyed their freedom to worship as they pleased. But now it's different. The area has become too crowded. When our sons have grown up, there won't even be enough land for the, to divide among them. Then Pa turned to George. Well, son, how long you figure it'll take you to pack? I could get all packed today, Pa. <laughs> Listen to the boy, Ma broke in. I'm afraid it's going to take the rest of us a little bit longer than that, George. So if you'll be ready so soon, you could just help us out. As the days passed, George found that Ma was right. They were busier than he had ever imagined possible. First, Pa called the meeting of the other young men in the town to see which ones would join them. It turned out that 14 other families decided to go. Now the Boylan family began the big job of deciding what to take with them and what to leave. Pa explained that they could take nothing but absolute necessities because they would have only one wagon to haul their supplies in. While George's younger sister Zella helped Ma sort their clothes, dishes, and furniture, George helped Pa sort the tools and store enough food to last for the trip and through the next winter. George Boylan helped them too. I'm sorry, Grandpa Boylan helped them too, and George was surprised at how much he knew about pioneering. He knew from past experience just which tools they should take and which ones they, should, they could make after they reached the new country and he knew about how much food they would need. It seemed to George that most all the wagon would be filled with food supplies. The days slipped into weeks, and the ground turned harder every day under the bright spring sunshine. One day, Pa announced that they would be ready to leave in one week. Now even Ma seemed excited. She flew around the house making last-minute preparations and talked gaily to her friends about the move ahead of them. George helped Pa put the finishing touches on the big linchpin wagon they had made to carry the family and supplies. 
Then they stretched coarse white cloth across the tall, curved wooden ribs that covered the wagon. Pa selected the best of their cows, pigs, chickens, and sheep. They would take these with them and give the rest to Grandpa Boylan. At last, the long-awaited night came when George went to bed knowing it was his last time to fall asleep in this familiar house. The next morning, they were leaving. I want to invite you to join us tomorrow for Chapter 2 of Swift Arrow, Building a House from Logs. Thank you for listening, everyone. I'm Pastor Jason, signing off.